Have you guys tried Briar's Gelato? Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's going <laughs> to pop eight, then you're going to pop around, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. It's like like Mex- Mexican America. food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> so here we are, game two, Pro Tour, and we have Jerry versus Pat. And it looks like Pat draws for turn. Oh, he's he's a little excited here. I don't exactly know what's going on. He's rubbing his nipples and saying, "Oh yeah." <laughs> he's got a blood moon on the table. Jerry's Jerry's city of trade is just a basic mountain. It, I'm gonna guess Pat's a member of the Facebook group. He's casting Price of Progress, <laughs> and he's really excited about this. So it looks like Pat may have taken game two with a sneak play there. We'll see if we can grab him during the sideboard. And we'll talk to him a little bit. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing great. Yeah. What was yeah. it like? What was it like just beating Gary Jerry game two? Well, you know, it's kind of like the, the story of every time we have a matchup. You know, it's uh, just taking it, taking him in two games. What can I say? Well, no, you didn't take him in two games. You guys still got to go to game three. Oh, well, that's just yeah, me being a cheat, make cheater face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, we, we, you know, you can try to cast that chain lightning during you know instant speed, but. He did call the judge on you for that one. Uh, yeah, I got the GRV for that one. What can I say? All right, so we're going to catch up with Jerry now. Jerry? This fantasy uh, is, is false on so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> so many so many wrong things with this scenario. But, well, Pat, well, Pat, are you a member of the Facebook group? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about where the truth in the matter, you know, was lost. <laughs> I I actually don't don't remember what we were talking about with Blood Moon and Praise of Progress. Did I, did I oh, come back to the... that? No, no, no. You know what? Actually, no. What happened? We were talking about it, and I'm like, oh, against the uh, Battle of Wits deck, I brought in Blood Moon out of the sideboard and left in Price of Progress, and I, and I thought to myself that it was a non-bow because once you have a Blood Moon out, the non-basics are mountains, and I just assumed that. But I guess it's not like a what is that like a replacement effect? I don't know exactly well, what that. Well, let me ask they're, you guys. Since you're play- mountains. Let me yeah. ask you guys since you guys are in the top eight now. What's it like playing for funsies? <laughs> <laughs> Man, if there was a legacy pro tour, I don't. That would be some mixed emotions. Right there. <laughs> I would never. I would never want to see a legacy pro tour. It'd be the worst thing for the format. Yeah, it'd be I mean, awful. The price spikes would be horrendous. Look, oh, that's that's just part of it. Just look what it does to modern. It's so so miserable. Yeah, but uh, I find it thanks to uh, Benjamin Sturtz for uh, setting us straight on the Blood Moon price of progress. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron set you straight first. Uh, oh, that's credit Aaron. where credits do. Don't give Aaron any credit. No, <laughs> <laughs> he actually has negative credit. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, I mean. Week. I feel Pro Tour has been on the lips of everyone lately. It has. There's I don't lips. even know why. Enlighten me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll we'll make this part of it short because, uh, I mean, like we said, by the time... Because we're a legacy cast? <laughs> yeah, because we're a legacy cast. doesn't really matter. And also, by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be old news, and we're going to be yeah. on to the next controversy that everyone's freaking out about. <laughs> Which is what? Uh, well, who would, I don't have a crystal ball. If only I I'm going to say changes to MTGO. Change to MTGO, you think that's going to be yeah. the next one? Mm. Yeah, I think I think you're going to see a subscription-based client coming out. 
Yep. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, the high-end uh, MTGO players were talking about how nervous they were. You don't think it's the spoiling of Dual Lands and Eternal Masters? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean, we can we can we can talk about that because that kind of that that's one of the points uh, that came off of this whole controversy. But in case you haven't pieced it together yet, what we're referring to is the whole uh, Platinum Pro controversy that came out out of the last uh, Pro Tour. Yeah. What, what was that? I have no idea. So basically, Wizards of the Coast subsidizes Platinum and Gold Pro players um, with appearance fees. So mm-hmm. basically, like yeah, five hundred dollars a Grand Prix or some shit. Yeah, I don't know what the exact numbers are, it's, but it's. I think the show fee is is uh, three grand. Yeah, but basically they get paid cash just for showing their faces and being kind of the brand image of the game. Um, I do know it's capped at twelve thousand a year, um, so they can they can make twelve thousand a year in appearance fees. I, I believe it's three three grand a per, per pro tour they get for shows, but I'll like I said I'll I'm gonna look it up real quick. Yeah, yeah. So that would make sense. Um, and for a lot of pros, that's kind of how they justify making magic their full-time career. Uh, you know, being a professional magic player means that that is their, in fact, their profession. Uh, and Wizards basically came out and scrapped it down to, I think now they get like $300, uh, per appearance. Yeah, 250 bucks. 250 bucks, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously upset a lot of pros, but I was actually shocked at how widespread it was. It, you know, there's only something like 36 or so platinum pros in the world, and there were definitely way more than that who were upset and, you know, sending their two cents to wizards to let them know how they felt about it. Well, the biggest, the biggest issue is that they're three quarters of the way through the 2016 season, and they're saying that these changes are effective as of this season. So like it's basically like saying you know you worked all year. You may want to go find a job. <laughs> well, it's it's not even that. It's like well, you know what? It's kind of like I, I equated to this. Like they worked all year last year to achieve platinum status, and a lot of these guys are spending money out of pocket to travel to GPs to get pro points. So you know they're getting paid to go to pro tours, but you know they're they're chasing this platinum status. And then for them to say you know the following year once you've achieved platinum status, oh yeah, about that money that you you were kind of banking on getting because that's what came with getting platinum status. We're actually going to cut that by about what ninety percent, going right. from three grand a show to two hundred fifty dollars. Um, there were also changes to what the appearance fees are for the Hall of Famers as well, but that wasn't as big of a deal, um, mainly because those Hall of Famers are getting that. They have. They're getting those. Well, well it, yeah, that's definitely part of it, right? Like a lot of those guys are working six figure jobs to begin with, but those guys aren't going out of the way to chase down a lot of this, a lot of these uh, uh, pro points to make make uh, to make platinum. You know, these guys already have that kind of set in stone that they're going to get invites to all the Pro Tours. And that's a big deal for them, right? They get to go to Pro Tours. They're getting 1500 bucks to show up and uh, and playing in the Pro Tour. So naturally, a lot of pros were upset. I think guys who didn't even have Platinum were upset, too. But, I, you know, it seemed like a case of Watsy sort of pulling the rug out from underneath people. Somebody, and- yeah, somebody tagged me in a post on freaking Twitter about it, and I didn't understand what the hell they were talking about. They're like, you pay the pros or some shit. And I'm like... Yeah, that was I don't even know that I agree with this. I don't even know that what they're talking about. <laughs> well, let's, let's, uh, let's take it back to that. So, Adrian, I guess, so you're saying, you know, these these people shouldn't be uh, paid for being a professional uh, magic player. But, you know, no, do well, you well, think... I'm, well, here's, I guess here's, here's my thought, right? Uh, like, what, let's say, let's say baseball, okay. right? All right, two teams show up to the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. 
does the team that wins the World Series receive more award than the team that doesn't? Well, yes, of course they do. Okay. Um, However, both teams get paid a base salary just for showing up. Right. Sure. Uh, so go on. Go on what? I don't know. <laughs> what, what's, your, what, what's, what's, what's your point? <laughs> what's my point? Yeah. So what if they get a base salary to show up and they actually, I don't know, what if it's what, 250 to show up but three, seven, ten, twelve grand if they win? I don't know. I don't know what the, what's, what's the normal prize on a pro tour look like? Uh, I believe it's ten grand. Uh, that's for GPs. I think that's it's forty k for first uh, place 40K, in a yeah, in a pro tour. Pro tours. Right. But I mean, the whole point is that's winnings. That's not a reliable source right. of income. You can't justify. Your... Oh, oh, you're talking about making so, magic a reliable source of income. Why well, not? so <laughs> why not? So let's yeah. let's just let's just let let's just first of all before we start getting too deep into this. Let's just set out exactly what the changes are because I don't think everyone's clear on what the changes are. Mm-hmm. So starting with the 2016-2017 Premier Play season, uh, which begins after the conclusion of the next Pro Tour, which is Eldritch Moon, um, the Platinum Pros receive an appearance fee of $250 for, com- for competing at Pro Tours, previously $3,000. So that's a very, very steep yeah. uh, drop in, their, in, in what they were promised to be getting. Uh-huh. Um, and for competing at the World Magic Cup, they were previously getting a thousand dollars. Now they're getting two fifty. Um, and then if they were going to the w- any WMCQs like qualifiers, they would get an appearance fee of two fifty. Previously five hundred dollars. Um, all the other benefits are I guess the same. Um, and then in correlation with that, they increased the prize pool payouts of the World Championship. So a lot of people think that they were making cuts from the Platinum players. Um, Payouts to increase the prize pool of the world's championship. Okay. Um, it was going from top prize now is was is you know went from forty thousand dollars to seventy thousand dollars. So this year's um, world qualify world Magic Cup was basically a pool of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and next year the pool is going to be up to five hundred thousand dollars with a hundred thousand dollars going to first place. So this is very clearly a an attempt by Wizards to Increased visibility in the world of esports because Jerry, League of Legends, like what does a world championship get for a team? Uh, I believe it's a million. The big one's Dota, okay. Defensive okay. Legends, which is similar to League of Legends, and sure. they had a first place team got ten million dollars. Okay, so that so we're talking about like they want to say, hey, our you know our world championship is a five hundred thousand dollar prize pool with a hundred thousand dollars going to first place. That's a more, much more impressive numbers. Than previously of it being you know forty thousand dollars to first place, so right. there's a little bit of a tin hat theory, you know, conspiracy that they're pulling this money from the pros to pay for the world championship in order to gain footing in the world of esports. Mm-hmm. I don't, which I don't think is that far fetched, but um, I think so. it's a combination of that plus the new CEO coming in and basically needing to show on a spreadsheet that he increased profitability by X amount, mm-hmm. and the easiest way to increase profitability is to reduce spending. Because well, the numbers don't add up exactly. There's a couple hundred thousand dollars missing from the reduction right. in the pros uh, pay to the increase in the prize payout for Worlds. Right, right. I, 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 I'm going to disagree and say, oh, well, I suppose it's possible that that's like a, a power move by a new CEO, but I find that highly doubtful. I, I think the guy's only been there for like two weeks. I don't know if this is the change that they would make. Um, but I, what I, I think what they are doing, and 
I think that the change to the platinum status, what they want to pay the pros, um, is fine. I think it's a bummer, mm-hmm. but I think it's fine, but it's not fine to do it in the middle of the season when these benefits have been basically, if not promised, insinuated that these are what the benefits are to being platinum status. Right. Let, me, let, me, let me ask a question here, just on both of you. If, if there was no Pro Tour, would you stop playing Magic? That's not, I mean, that's not, yeah. That's just a question I'm asking you. No, no, certainly not. Like, the Pro Tour is not what got me into Magic. It's, it's, first of all, when I played originally as a kid, I had no idea there was such a thing as a Pro Tour. I barely even knew that game stores had, like, Friday Night Magic events. It's just, yeah, I mean, yes or no. You know, so I think, you know, the argument, and so the reason why I think that, uh, to go off on a bit of a tangent, (laughs) <laughs> just a yes or no, because I want to hear from Jerry. All right, too. all right, sure. So, um, no. If there was no Pro Tour, would you stop no. playing Magic? No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't care. Magic. All right. I would not. Care. Oh, you, Jerry? No, I wouldn't care either. But, you would continue playing Magic? I mean, I would definitely be concerned about the future of Magic if there wasn't a Pro Tour. Okay, sure. Just um, wondering. I, 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 if we kind of want to get into that now, just what, Magic is in a really tenuous position right now uh, because we're. At a point in time where, for the first time, esports are overtaking more traditional sports and viewership and payouts and just overall interest. Um, you know, millions of people watch, uh, you know, the League of Legends finals or the Dota finals or even like Counter Strike. All and there's more people probably watch the World Poker Tour, I imagine. Right, exactly. And Magic is perfectly situated to you know, really dominate this space. You know, we it's the oldest of any of those comparisons, except for maybe, you know, poker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, that's a kind of hard thing to overtake. But, <laughs> I mean, it's the most established. It's the oldest. I, you know, it has this huge intellectual property behind it. It can really benefit from this wave of interest in, you know, alternative sporting. Yeah. I, it, um, I mean, it, I guess it could, but there are far, far there are far more... Uh, there are far older games out there with a much larger following, like chess, that don't have a large esports following. No one watches chess anymore. Um, uh, yeah, but I, ch- chess is different in the fact that it's not uh, a variable game. You know, when you when you play chess, you play with the same pieces on the same board. When you play mm-hmm. pretty much anything else, you're it's a it's a much more fluid, more diverse, more interesting interaction. You know, yes, we might want to talk about the validity of chess as an e-sport, but I don't really want to because chess isn't as interesting to me as Magic or League of Legends or well, any other e-sport. Sure, but what I'm saying is, is that I don't think that I don't think that in its current iteration, Magic will ever compete with any e-sport on any level, I um, any major e-sport. I think that Jerry, I could tune in to a League of Legends match right now and like kind of get what's going on. If I watched a game of, say, like Shadows Legacy of Legacy for the Dark, first time, <laughs> oh sure, sure. If I or any any you know anything, as a, someone who is uninitiated into Magic, not only is the not only is the way that they present it extremely boring if you're not vested in the format, not only is it extremely confusing because you can't even like the cards that are on the table, you don't know what they are. You, there's no way to identify what's on the table unless you can tell by the art on the overhead projection. Um, or what it's and, and game may be. Th- exactly. There, you, a lot of times you don't even know what's in their hand because they're flicking their fucking hands so fast you can't see what's in their hand. So thanks, Pro it, Tour. Yeah. <laughs> so the the engagement you have to have with a game of Magic, or the the amount of investment you have to have for a game game of Magic to be engaging is so high. The bar is so high that I don't think it'll ever compete as an esport. Well, um, this is 
unless unless things like the Pro Tour and things like uh, high level GPs start switching over to um, an interface like Magic Online once it's been re- like once the current client is thrown out and the new one is revamped. Well, well Pat, I'm I'm glad you say that because when you're talking about the confusing aspect of the game, you're right. It's hard for outsiders to relate to Magic as a game if they don't understand anything about it. What they can relate to, though, are the people playing it. That's why the pros and the players are so important to Magic in this, you know, sphere of influence, because that is going to be the, your first person that you latch on to, your first introduction into the community as a whole, and which is why I feel when they make these types of moves to, which are effectively killing off the pro community, is such a, a terrible uh, outlook for Magic in the future space. Because without those types of players that you can relate to, that you can identify with, you're never going to be able to relate to the cards. Um, all right, so I highly disagree, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, I do too. Pro tours, pro tours are incredibly underviewed in comparison to something like an SCG um, open. So you at SCG, like, yeah, you have your grinders, but for the most part, you're watching like I can turn on an SCG, like I can go on YouTube and search for Jeremy SCG, not know who this guy is, and still see videos of him in feature matches, and still no not idea. know why this card isn't flipping. Yeah, like why can't he flip a Delver? What's this guy's issue? <laughs> but um, he, so I think I get you all fucked up. <laughs> so I think I think in that respect. Um, it, the, the players don't really matter. I, I think that what Watsi is doing here, and I, I think that the business decision is, is correct, is they're looking at the return on investment. Listen, they're paying these, they're playing, what, 34 or 37 pros, $12,000 a year to show up and play at their pro tours. That's a, that's a lot of money invested in these guys coming to play. And are they really promoting the game? What if they took that money? What if they took that, what is that, like, uh, 36, you know, 12 grand times 36 players is what? Jerry, you're a math guy. No. <laughs> 12 grand times 36 players, that's uh like $360,000. All right, sure. <laughs> so it's not, I mean it's not a massive chunk of change for a company like Watsi, but it is something that they have to look at and say, "All right, are we spending this $400,000 plus?" Effectively, and I mean that's only that's only pro tours. That's only four pro tours. That's not including what they're paid to go to uh, GPs, what they're paid appearance fees for, like I said, the World Magic Cup. Um, well, yeah, I mean that's that's outside this. Like, don't don't yeah. get don't get me wrong, Pat. I don't think wizards should pay uh, these pros this money. I ne- I never said that. I never think thought that wizards should be the ones subsidizing these players. Who should be are the sponsors. You know, I don't expect NASCAR to go out and pay every driver, you know, X amount of dollars for showing up at different races. But Ultra mm-hmm. Pro KMC. Yeah, stuff but like Target and Tide and KFC, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, you know sponsors are the show, ones. Show me the Magic Pro as an Old Spice sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. We don't have those sponsors. If you look at League of Legends... All the different teams are different computer companies, and the the biggest cons, uh, the biggest sponsor in League of Legends is South Korea Telecommunications. Imagine mm-hmm. if like Verizon sponsored a Magic team, 
Because sure. that's what's the difference between Magic and these other types of esports. I think it yeah. should be these types of sponsors, but because those sponsors don't exist, we're in a chicken and the egg type situation where because these sponsors don't, these sponsors are looking for faces that they can latch onto, that they can be the face of their brand in this particular environment. And if we don't have pros, we're never going to get sponsors. And we're never going to get sponsors if pros don't have an incentive to be that person to latch on to. What, uh, what so, companies do you see sponsoring a pro involved in magic? Well, I, Jerry, and I think, too, like, and, well, why don't you answer that first, and then I have one for you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough question because, you know, because we, it is a cardboard company, I don't see, like, XYZ Printing Incorporated sponsoring a pro team the way that, like, Dignitas or, uh, you know, one, some other, like, computer company would sponsor, uh, a, a esports game. It, it's hard to say, you know, I honestly don't know what corporations would come out to sponsor a team other than maybe, you know, like, Ultra Pro and what the few sponsors we do have of, you know, Channel Fireball, the, the shops, but they're not. Those really guys are already sponsoring right, teams. Right. They're already sponsoring teams, but so, not to the extent that we're looking for. Yeah, so where's the impetus for them to spend more money to sponsor teams? Right, exactly. Why would they? Why would they spend more? They're probably not all, giving these guys much money to start with. Yeah, they're not giving them any money to start with. They're basically giving them, you know, free cards and, you know, yeah. wear our shirt and you get, you know, access to whatever deck that you want to use. Yeah. yeah, I would imagine that the benefits of being sponsored by Channel Fireball or or face-to-face or whatever, whoever you're sponsored by, is probably not that great. It, it's it's advertising dollars. The way you attract more sponsors is by getting more viewers to your cause. Um, okay. Some, someone posted earlier today that there was a Hearthstone player who was opening packs. He wasn't mm-hmm. even playing the game. He was just cracking packs, and he had 110,000 viewers. Right, and I was going to bring this up. I was going to bring this up because I, gu- I yeah. saw the exact thing. Yeah, I guarantee you sponsors are going to be chomping at the bit to get access to 110,000 people who sit there watching someone else open digital products. Right, and, and, and the challenge with sponsorship, this guy's, this guy's cracking packs with 100 and some odd million fucking viewers, right, or whatever the hell it is. So what happens when he's sponsored? He has to embed a commercial in it. How many people tune out? Uh, do you want? Do you less than the amount of people that are tuning in? You think? Yeah. If you how much how much TV do you watch? If you Adrian, if you told me right now that a company would be willing to pay me a hundred thousand dollars to do this podcast and we lose two viewers, sorry you two viewers, but I kind of like that hundred and ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> if you lose a couple of how people, much TV do you watch? I bear basically none. I watch. I don't even have a cable package. How come? Because I have Netflix. Okay. What's the benefit to Netflix over cable? Uh, I can watch my shows whenever I want to, want to. Not all of them. You can't watch news. I don't really care about the news. Okay. I can read the news. Is there a benefit to Netflix because it doesn't have commercials? Uh, I guess there's some benefit, but I don't really care about commercials that much. That's because you don't watch them. Okay, but I mean, (laughs) just because I don't watch them doesn't mean that there are other people who watch them. Just because you don't watch them, what? Just because I don't watch commercials doesn't mean that, you know, Joe Schmo next to me doesn't watch them. And, you uh, know, when I see a commercial that's interesting to me, you know, when I saw the Civil War commercial, I watched that. When I see a commercial for a game that's intriguing, I'll watch it. I'll watch commercials 
if, if you're forced to. No, not if I'm forced to. I so I've YouTubed commercials numerous times if it's for a product that I'm interested in. Okay. You know the the key with commercials is the target audience. You know that you will get people. You, you I guarantee you can go on YouTube right now and you can look up a freaking Tide commercial and it'll yeah, have it'll have fifty thousand views because you, there are and people you can watch who you can watch, watch Super Bowl commercials on YouTube too. Yeah, yeah that have a million views. If yeah. if a commercial is right. entertaining and if a commercial is relevant to something I care about in my life, you you damn well I'm going to watch that commercial. So so let's just. <clears throat> Let's just, can we just make a blanket statement that the changes made to the platinum status guys in the middle of the season were bad and should be reversed? Right, and no. I mean, Wizards okay. came out today and said that they are reversing it for the next Right, season. so for the, for the, yeah, for the time being. So, but I would say keep an I'd eye out. No. <laughs> so, so you, you think that they should keep, that they should just cut the benefits that they were, that were promised these players and move on, like make the players move on essentially? I think we're in a rip the band-aid off moment. I don't think Wizards should have ever been paying these out in the first place. Um, and I think it's probably a good direction to be moving in to... The, the problem is, is that they are in a chicken and the egg type moment where they need sponsors, but they don't have sponsors yet. And there's no sponsors to pay. Who needs sponsors? The pros need sponsors in order okay. to justify, in order to justify them, you know, taking the course of action that they take. And how, how do you just, how do you justify if you were on a spot, if you want to sponsor something, how do you justify sponsoring a professional, a professional magic player when the professional stream is getting a fraction of the views that an SCG stream is getting? Why don't you just advertise with Star City Games? Because the pros, I mean, to, I think, to be quite I think honest, the real question the is, no, I think the real question is, why should I sponsor a Magic Pro when I can sponsor a Hearthstone Pro that gets a hundred times the viewers right. opening packs compared to, a, uh, you know, a Pro Tour player, uh, you know, in front of the quote-unquote world audience of a couple thousand? Who are right. the viewers? What, what, what do you mean, who are the viewers? Well, if it's an eight-year-old who's watching somebody open Hearthstone packs, they don't have the money to spend on anything I'm sponsoring anyway. <laughs> you definitely that's don't true, have kids if, that, if that's what you think, though, because you know I that, don't have that kids. Eight-year-old, that eight-year-old will tug kids? on mo- mommy and daddy's <laughs> mommy and daddy's sleeves oh and say, like, "Oh, I want to buy this. I want to buy this. I want to buy this." No, I don't have kids, but I have two nieces, and man, they are real good at getting money out of me. Oh man, you should see it. Oh, the Barbie ad. The Barbie ad comes on. Uncle Jay, I really want that and you know what that tugs at my heartstrings and i get that i get it he had to sell his other jacket (laughs) (laughs) so all right so (laughs) there's a reason why there are are advertisements geared towards five-year-olds and six-year-olds because they're real sweet at asking for money and they they know how to do it (laughs) yeah they ask so it's i think between being a parent (laughs) here's 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 what i think what sells magic jerry do you think it's pro players because I don't think it's pro players. That's right now. You're right. It's not pro players. I'm thinking to the future of the game. I want Magic I, and, and, to be just as competitive and just as visible and you know just as reliable as these other games. It, it, there's something wrong when people will you know proudly say that they're a uh, you know a League of Legends player or something like that in casual conversation, but there's still this you know unspoken stigma about being a Magic player, and that's because these games like Hearthstone and League of Legends are much more visible in the public eye than Magic is. And as long as that is still true, there's always going to be that stigma around Magic that isn't around these other games. 
Now, I I want to I want to touch a different topic, not a different topic, but a different area that you brought up earlier. I think mm-hmm. Jerry did. Um, what was it, Jerry said that the pros are the face to the game that in, introdu- introduce new players to the game that they can latch on to. Isn't that what, how, how the hell would you put in it? I said pros are the face of the game that if someone who has never, ever seen Magic before, that is going to be the thing that they can relate to because it's the thing most familiar. Another human face is way more familiar and relatable than a piece of cardboard with a picture of a dragon on it. And what I related and what I actually connected to above the pro player that was in the pack of whatever the fuck set it was that I opened was the podcast I was listening to at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't put it towards pro players. Right. So I, I, that's a good distinction, Adrian, because I don't think it's pro players in general. I'm, I think pro players are just the tip of the spear here. They're the ones that are in the public eye right now, but I think this applies to all content producers of Magic in general, from article writers to podcasters to video producers. It's not just pro players. It's just pro players were the ones that are unfortunately at the subject matter in this particular case. I I think sponsors can easily be, you know, sponsors for podcasts, sponsors for articles, sponsors, uh, you know, for any content producer of Magic. Mm, Depending. Yeah, I mean, I just, I I find it hard to believe. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I I don't, I I maintain that pros don't sell anything. Um, There was a pro on Twitter who made the case, like, Oh, if we stop producing content, like game stores are going to screech to a halt. I would say, I would <laughs> You're say, a little self-absorbed. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And I would also, I would also venture to guess that um, a large percentage of every store's business does not concern itself with the pro tour. Yeah. I mean, how many people are playing kitchen table magic? How many people are playing commander? How many people are playing legacy? None of that. None of that. How many people play? I guess to a lesser extent, vintage oh. and all those other wacky formats. No, those have, those are completely unrelated to the pro tour and to pros in general. A hundred percent. I I think that what we have is is I think what we have here is two heads inside Watsy not talking to each other. One saying we need to make cuts, we need to allocate more prize money to make our our sport vi- more visible in the esport arena, and the other head saying, well, we need to make these cuts from somewhere. Where is the most? Where is the most uh, uh, unnecessary spending that we have? We're spending three grand to get pros to come to the pro tour, which they probably go packs of shadows over in Estrad. <laughs> um, I think it's a very complex issue, and I don't think there's an easy answer for it. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think we should be using anecdotal evidence and feelings to say how a business needs to be run, and to you know to say that like oh people are embarrassed to say they're a, a magic player versus a league of legends player like for you sure like that that might be the case but i i think that overall i think that stigma is is largely irrelevant and again that's just my opinion well so pat so back uh is that is pulling the money from the appearance fees and putting it into the top payout is that the price of progress <laughs> <laughs> so 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 to but to answer that seriously, <laughs> I think I think that what that does is it puts this massive pressure to be the best in the sport, to have like a clear a, a clear front runner. I mean, which is a little bit difficult in a game like Magic, which has so much variance. But like, if you're making all your pe- prize payouts extremely top heavy, like the impetus is on the players to 
Is he, he even she, more on the players to 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 top eight those pro tours yeah, and to she, win those pro tours? Right. I'm I'm glad you said because that brought up uh, with the commentators for events. People mm-hmm. complain about commentators just generally being bad, <laughs> not very interesting, not knowing what's going on. And I come back and I say to them, it's like, well, you're expecting this top level talent for bottom of the barrel, you know, pay payment. You right. cannot expect quality, uh, you know. Uh, officiate everything by paying these people in booster packs. It's not going to happen because the top talent are going to go to Hearthstone and League of Legends because that's where they get paid. If you mm-hmm. want the highest quality content from the highest quality p- players, you need to pay them that high quality uh, well, because that's what they deserve. That's what they get for being the best. If I'm mm-hmm. the best at Magic and I'm also the best at Hearthstone, but Hearthstone pays me ten times what Magic pays me, I'm going to play the shit out of Hearthstone. All right, are, you, that's are you Brian Kibler? Con- yeah, <laughs> I don't blame Brian Kibler in the least. He knows where to get paid. Go but get paid, Brian Kibler. <laughs> but let me let me let me ask because I'm still fucking delirious here over what the hell an esport is. <laughs> now, it's what, a sport what, that isn't football, basketball, yeah, sure. baseball, yeah. soccer. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't actually help my question at all. So you keep comparing Magic to Hearthstone. Okay. All right, Hearth- is Hearthstone a video game? Yes. Uh, yes. Is that, I mean, yes. it's like that Final Fantasy shit that I kept seeing with League of Legends. It looks like Final Fantasy. No. No. Hearth- is, it, is, that, is that League of Legends, though? No. League of Legends looks like Final Fantasy, right? You got little let's, fucking guys running around all over the place blowing shit up. Let's, let's no. pin down what, let's pin down what Hearthstone <laughs> yeah. is. Hearthstone is a digital card game. Okay. What about League of Legends? It I don't know. A, if don't League play. of Legends <laughs> is a massively online battlefield yeah. arena. All right, and it looks like Final Fantasy, right? Is that the one that I'm Not thinking that's, I saw? Is, no. Does it have little image, little characters running around and shit? I mean, that's every video game ever made, Adrian. <laughs> All right, well, then, if you if if it's, it's a, a video, video game, game, then it can't be in the same comparison as Magic. Magic right, is which not is why video. Hearthstone is the closest comparison that we use because Hearthstone's the most similar uh, aspect. Because all Hearthstone is is Hearthstone is a card game that's played on a computer. Okay, so with Hearthstone, you're not seeing players. Uh, well, no, you are seeing players because the camera—it's basically one camera on the player's face, one camera on the board. On their computer screen. Right. Right. So you are seeing the players. It, okay. You know, it's—it's it's not that it's built in, but it's—it's it's like, I mean, when you—I'm trying to think of a comparison to. Because I'm trying to figure out how would you how would you actually make a tabletop card game. Look anything as you organized as a digital oh, look at, presentation. Look at it. World Series of Poker. That unless, I feel unless you're talking about doing MTGO. Team. No, the be- the best way to do it is look at how the World Series of Poker does it. That is a card game through and through, and exactly. yet they make that a very dramatic, in depth, uh, relatable, uh, you know, game for viewers that gets you know hundreds of thousands of viewers. All right, so the World Series of Poker would be on a different realm than Hearthstone. Uh. It's it's like overlap. Yes, it's a different realm, but you know, seventy five percent of it's the same. Because it's well, it seems like they would be different to me, but Magic would have to try to put a foot on each to compare with either or both. Right, and that's I mean one of the best things about Magic is that there's nothing else out there that's quite like Magic. That's what mm-hmm. makes it unique. So it, it's hard. You know, you're right. We're comparing apples to oranges here, but that's because we only have one type of apple. There's nothing else to compare it to. Yeah. And I think that's the problem too, is that if magic is, 
if Wizards of the Coast is constantly comparing themselves and saying they want to compete with a game like Hearthstone, they want to compete with other esports, sorry, Adrian, um, they're going to have a very difficult problem because there's no analog out there for Magic. Mm-hmm. And also, there's no real game out there right now in the esport world that is ar- as archaic as Magic. I mean, sure, like, you have the World Series of Poker, which, I mean, let's be honest, like, the difficulty of understanding what's going on in a poker game is minis- is much lower as far as the heads-up display than understanding what's going on in a magic game. Like, you can see the players, like, the cards each player has, because they have the pocket cams. You can see what's, what has, what the flop in the river and the, whatever, whatever's being <laughs> put out onto the, whatever's on, you know, whatever's on the table. You also can see percentages that they are to win in each hand. And those, these things are updated in real time. Um, you can see the bets, the, the, how much the pot is, and you can see who's they, all in, and you can see also, people's stacks, and, yep, and they also, all the information yeah, is there. And that's all the info is there. That's something easily that can be applied to magic, but it no. just it no. doesn't. No. What do you this, mean this, no? This it cannot be. If you have a player's deck list, and they have drawn 13 cards, and they need a top deck, like a lightning bolt, in order to win the game, you're damn right you can show the percentage of them top decking a lightning bolt. That's easy to do. Yeah, you can. You, all right, so Jerry, you can. All right, so certainly you can do that. But what makes Pro Tours so so much fun to watch for someone who's extremely vested in the See, format is that... Can we call is it that the, is, is the complex? Can we call it Bonfire the Damned off the top? <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's the the old lightning helix off the top yeah. of the deck. Like so yeah, that's great, right? But like what makes the what makes magic such a great game is the complexity of each decision and that is just not it, they cannot break that down fast enough for live viewing. I, I Also I on top of that, on top of that Jerry, you also have the board state. We're not even talking about the board state right now. We're just talking about cards in hand. The board state is also extremely important. You have say say three creatures on the board. You have a number of of lands. Some some maybe tap for different colors of mana. Some maybe don't. Some maybe are some some maybe be you know maybe they're pain lands. You have these and maybe you have enchantments on the board. Maybe you have instances of sorceries in the hand. You cannot convey all that information in a in a, the simplicity that a game like poker does on a screen. You just cannot do it. The closest thing they have to that, the closest analog they have is Magic Online, and that is awful to watch unless you're already vested in the format. Because you can't even read the cards on someone's mm-hmm. screen. You can't, the interface in general is just very poor. Like the way the, the way that it's set up is very poor. The performance of the program is extremely poor. There is no analog for Matt. There's, and there, I don't think that unless the game changes fundamentally, there will be never, there will never be a way to do a digital display of this game. Um, that's worth watching for someone who's a casual viewer. Do you guys even remember the original Nintendo? Well, hold yeah. on. Before we go off to that, <laughs> I, I disagree with that 100%, Pat. Um, okay. You know, look at something like League of Legends, where you're talking about the complexity of the game. When I first saw my first League of Legends match, I had no fucking idea what the hell was going on. There were a bunch of people running around, and then there were some lightning bolts and an explosion, and then everyone died, and then the game was over. And I was thinking, what the hell just happened? If you're talking about the complexity of magic, League of Legends dwarfs magic in its complexity. There's five players on each team. Each player has runes in which they can choose from hundreds of different runes, and then they have masteries uh, to choose from. Just... Then uh, you know hundreds of items. The combinations are endless. These yes, types apples of things and oranges cannot be 
these things cannot be comprehended in the amount of time that it takes to, uh, you know, see it all unfold. But the reason nope. why I continued watching it and why I was able to uh, relate to it is because League of Legends does the best out of any uh, eSport in giving focus to the players. You're not, you don't care mm. about Lee Sin or Jax or these characters in the same way that, you know, we shouldn't be overly focused about individual cards. What you do care about is the players. And these players, we don't even, you know, people don't even know their names. They they refer to them by their handles. You know, we refer to them, at, you know, what they call themselves online. And that's something that just does not happen in Magic because people are so focused on making the game more transparent that that should come in the second wave. If you right, get so interested Jerry. in the players then you will be interested in learning more about the game and it's okay that the board state is complicated or the hands are complicated because you are vicariously living through the actual player and you're rooting for the player you're not rooting for siege rhino you're rooting for chris P- uh, pukula okay. you know this <laughs> chris pupula yeah pupula pupula yeah cha- Jerry, some names were Hold changed on. for the protection of, <laughs> <laughs> of the- <laughs> so not to you know not to um to put a spike in your in your analogy here or in your example, but what when you first saw League of Legends being played uh, at a geek bar outside MIT, what did you see on the screen? Uh, I saw a bunch of stuff that I didn't understand. Hold I on, now that's not that's not no 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 no. no. <laughs> okay, okay, so you saw colors and shapes. Mm-hmm. Was there movement? Uh, yep, there was movement. Okay, was there was there action? Go- was there stuff happening? Was it? Was it kind of like watching like a children's cartoon that maybe was just a little bit above your level? You weren't sure what was going on, but you saw there was something happening there. And then one of them said, "Uncle Jay." <laughs> but no. But now listen. Ready? Hold on. Mm-hmm. Look it. Here's. I just threw six magic cards onto my desk. Right now, I'm going to look at them for the next thirty seconds. And I'm going to tell you that anyone who's watching me do that is going to be bored out of their fucking skull. They're Which not going to care why because it's even more important to be focused on the players. No. No, because they're also yes. just staring. <laughs> if, because they're also look just at poker. Staring. Go back it's to awesome. poker. Go back to poker. If you look at the it's flop, awesome. they spend ten minutes looking at the same two cards in their hand and the same four cards, five cards, three cards on the table. Yet people I, I, eat that shit up because of the personalities involved. No, no, no. You know why they eat it up, Jerry? Is because that each hand has a stake tied intrinsically to how they're doing at that table. Hell there is no. a bet. I don't fucking care about the stake. I care about the players. I care about the guy wearing the 10-gallon cowboy hat and the aviator sunglasses going quack, quack every time he makes a bet. It's because of those personalities that makes it interesting, which is why, because Magic doesn't have the advantage of League of Legends with its explosions and fireballs and visual aspects, it needs to focus even more on the players because that is who people are going to relate to, who they are going to root for, and who the dr- dramatic aspect of the game comes from if you don't get the dramatic aspect of the game from how the game actually plays out from an outside viewer you need to put even more weight on the players to drive that dramatic you know fury jerry do you know what happens to someone at a pro tour when they fist pump after winning they get they get they get fucking eviscerated by their peers which is wrong which is but jerry straight jerry for being too emotive because magic in, in in the most basic of senses is a is an intellectual game, and I'm not taking anything away from other esports out there. But Magic is a game of serious forethought and extreme planning and resource management. And not that that doesn't exist in other games, but I feel like the precedent has been set in Magic to where 
have you watched a pro player or really any player play a game of Magic? There is no emotion. For the most part, actually, the, the best players, I would say, some of the best players, are emotionless. Like, That's like, the same with poker. And, and why is that sure. correct? Why is that, why is that good? That's not something that we should be lauding, that there, there's boring people with blank faces. Go, I didn't, I just watched, I just watched. I didn't say it's a good thing, I just said it's a product of the game. Have, have you it's seen, a, it's, it's, have you seen the Enter the Battlefield documentary yet? Cause I just I watched have it. seen it. I've seen it twice. Yeah, I just watched it, and I thought that was the best thing Wizards has done in years for promoting the players of the okay. game and giving them a personality. I, would, I wouldn't give Wizards too much too much credit on that. That was that was a Nate Holt, Sean Kornheiser yes, joint. Yes, you're right. It's they, it's the best thing that's come out in years in general for promoting the the players of the game. Because I could tell you before I watched that documentary, if it was Chris Picula versus. Anyone else, I wouldn't give two shits who won that game. But after watching yep. that documentary, yeah, I'm going to root for him because I know his struggles, I know what he's gone through now, and I know you know how much this means to him. And that's something that I can relate to. Absolutely, and you're 100% right, Cherry. But I still think that the issue with trying to watch, trying to make Magic a large eSport is that the game itself is intrinsically boring, visually boring. It, you know, like I guess It's like the, watching golf. It, it it's worse than watching golf because no, at least when, no, it, when it, it, guys who play golf like to watch golf. Sure. I mean, I like to play golf and I hate watching golf. And the best thing that's happened to golf, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods came out and he was this emotional person that people could relate to. No, that was, he was against the, the grain. No. Yes. Oh no, my no, no, god. No, 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 no. Yes. He's a, he's a robot and he, and he just won everything. That's why he was popular. Is <sighs> because he won. It wasn't because he he was emotional. If that was if that was the case, John Daly would be the biggest fucking golfer in the world. At, like at status, not like physically. <laughs> I. Going back, like even going to tennis, like Pete Sampras, people who are emotional that you can relate to, and it's not even just on the field. I think you know there needs to be more things like enter the battlefield. There needs to be more reasons why I should care about these players, which is why I didn't really think Wizards should be playing these, paying these pros in the first place. But why I thought it was a terrible decision because with Fewer pros, there's fewer reasons to care about higher high level magic. But high level magic doesn't sell their game. So why do why I mean I, I don't think now, the high level magic it doesn't now it doesn't sell their game, but if they want to continue think it's to grow uh, I I if it pushes you want to look towards the if you want to yeah. The entire reason why the pro magic was created in the few, in the first place is because people weren't buying new cards. If you go back and look at the very foundation of the Pro Tour, and the reason why the Pro Tour had always been standard-based is because no one was playing with the new cards. Everyone wanted to play with their beta and revised cards because... Wasn't, wasn't there a Pro Tour that for, forced players to play like a certain amount of cards from the new set? Yes, there was. <laughs> back in the did, old did days. Did everyone play like serrated arrows in that Pro Tour? Yep, exactly, because they were coming out with <laughs> these shit sets that no one like Fallen Empires and Homelands. No one wanted to play with these cards. Everyone was playing <laughs> hey, with hey, So that's why I completely disagree that you say pro players don't sell the game. Pro players may not sell to all the casual players, but if it wasn't for the pro tour, there would be no reason to be buying these new cards. Everyone will be playing with the older cards because they're more powerful. No one would play with the older cards. You want to know why? Because there's something like SEG that is completely unrelated, not paid for by WotC, who does a great job of promoting their game. It doesn't take any effort out of WotC's part. 
because SCG has had their, has their own business model based on selling cards, selling standard, selling modern. But um, the only reason they can sell modern that Jerry's saying is because there's a pro tour. No, no not I didn't say that. Yeah, I, no, I, standard. No, I, I disagree because... Go, Pat, well, go back and look. The reason why the Pro Tour was invented was to sell standard cards. Right. But, you're, I mean, Jerry, you're also talking about a time when the internet wasn't a thing. So, like, we're, we're talking about two different... We're talking about two different worlds now. That, that, there was... There wasn't even a podcast. Like, the, the best internet content you could get was on the dojo. You're right. If, like, if they got, there rid, was, if they the, got rid of the Pro Tour, you're right. There would be other things. Magic wouldn't just crawl up and die. But it would not be a good thing. It blows my mind to think that people say, oh, fuck the pros, we don't need pros. Yes, we oh, need that pros. Is, that's not my stance. I, I should... Let me... Just to be completely clear... Do we need pros um, to play Legacy? No. I don't uh, want to ever touch it. Ever. <laughs> um... And there's a reason, and once again, compare legacy to standard and the number of players, number of interest, and everything about it. You know, no, we don't want pros touching legacy because we like legacy the way it is. Yeah, but also, they break magic, everything. That's, that's why they're not allowed to play. They break everything. That's why they're not allowed to play modern anymore. <laughs> that's why I don't let them in my house. They break everything. That's why we can't have nice things because of pros, guys. Um, but no, I, I just as an aside, uh, no modern pro tour. Is one, is the best thing to happen to modern since the last time they said no modern pro tour, right? And people bitched and moaned about it. Um, <laughs> if you if you guys don't want to have wild price wings, you guys don't want to have fucking cards getting banned out of nowhere and decks going away and ha- having to constantly reinvest in the format. Just appreciate that there's not going to be a modern pro, modern pro tour. There'll still be GPS. There'll still be plenty of SCG opens. You can play it at FNM. You can play it at the PPTQ. Just be happy that there's not a modern pro tour because that is the worst thing for that format. Right, but moving on. Go, go, so your your topic about you know not needing this if there was no pro tour you know would magic die? No, it wouldn't die, but it would be a hell of a lot less rich of a culture and a community. Anytime you take away these things from the game, you're not making the game better. You you need these things because people have different interests. I don't give two shits about the Pro Tour. I can't even remember the last time I watched a Pro Tour. But do I think we no one should watch the Pro Tour just because I don't like it? Absolutely not. Because there are uh, plenty of people who love watching the Pro Tour, seeing the pros come up with the, the latest decks, seeing what's going on. It, that without that, it makes the game a lot less diverse and a lot less interesting to a broader spectrum. And if we want Magic to have a healthy future, we need to be going in every direction that so, we can. So, so you're saying that one of the, the the best, one of the cool things about the Pro Tour is that a new player can watch people innovate decks. Not just a new player, but an entrenched player. The Pro Tour is not for a person who just learned about Magic yesterday. The Pro right, Tour. Right. So why are we even talking about it as being a play, uh, something that grows the game? If if the because, Pro Tour is not for someone who because watches, it keeps people it keeps people interested. You can't grow the game by just getting new players. You grow the game by getting new players and keeping the players you already have. If there was no Pro Tour, if there was nothing for grinders to strive towards, for standard players to look forward to, then you they would quit magic in droves because they would lose interest wait you think that you think that people right now like your average fnm goer would quit magic because the pro tour went away eventually how would you, eventually why? they would oh my god why? yes they would because there wouldn't be a reason to keep playing it's what the pro tour. really like do you oh think that god. people like hold on do you think that people play in um like a men's softball league because they want to make it to the pros no, but pat pat, pat there's a term called grinder 
Right. I, I understand. I, so, all right. So there are grinders out there. So, so if the grinders go away, does that mean that magic is worse off for it? It's probably better off. <laughs> right. No. If the grinders go oh, away, like if the, the grinders, grinders go away, somebody... tournament attendance goes down. You have less reasons. By to how have much? Regional... I, no one has those numbers, so it's pointless asking a question like that. Sure. But the sure, thing but is, like, if you take many, if you take the average apples? time that a player has been playing magic and compare them to whether they're interested in the Pro Tour or not, I guarantee you the longer someone is playing a format like Standard, the more interested they are going to be in the Pro Tour and just high-level magic in general. How many people do you know, you know, travel six hours to go to a PPTQ to get a chance at a chance to go to the Pro Tour? If there was no Pro Tour for them to strive to, there would be no reason to travel out of state to go to tournaments. There would be no reason to, you know, get a hotel with your buddies and go try and spike a big tournament. It's Those are the reasons why people stay in Magic is because of the community aspect and that collective goal of striving towards something. If there's no light at the end of the tunnel, there's no reason to keep doing it other than just, you know, buying a pack once every six months and playing with your buddies every, you know, eighth Tuesday that you get a chance to play. I appreciate your passion here, Jerry, and I I do hear you, man. I understand what you're saying, but I I don't – I think that you're – I don't think that people go to an F&M because they have their sights set on – set on um, making it to the Pro Tour. And it's been said by Watsy that the average lifespan of a player is like – Significantly longer than any other game out there, and I don't think that's due to the to the draw of a pro tour. I really don't. I think that's I I, I don't even think that most people have the pro tour on their mind. I, I would imagine that most people are there because they like to go to their local F and M and buy packs and play there, and they play at home with their friends. Like I would say, the majority of Magic is played outside of outside of Wizards like Control. Like there's not a judge there. There's it's kitchen table variety. I would think that that's where the vast majority of Magic is played. It's not, and the Pro Tour has no reach there. It's not even the majority, though. It, it doesn't have to be a majority. If, you know, 25% is a minority, but if you take away 25% of the players, that's still a big deal. It doesn't have 20, to be the majority of players. We're, we're breaking this up into two different things, right? What's best for the game and what's best for professional Magic? Mm-hmm. It, does that make sense? Sure. Like, what's best for the game is what? Continued growth, right? Right. And so the reason why is, so to try and just kind of clarify what I'm saying here. Sure. It doesn't even have to be for the majority of players. It doesn't have to be for the kitchen table players or the people who only go to F&M. If there's only one person at that F&M who has dreams of going to a pro tour, that's okay. Because for every F&M in that store, there's a hundred more F&Ms going on at the same time in stores all, all over the state. And, you know, if you keep zooming out, if it's one person from every F&M in the country, that's hundreds of thousands of players. It's The whole point is, is that you need to have these tiers of accomplishments to give people who want to play this on a competitive level a reason to keep playing. If you get rid of the Pro Tour, what you're left with are casual players. You get rid of the competitive players. Sorry, go ahead. I think you're missing something there. You're talking about professional players who want to play the game, and I don't even think that that's a case. You have professional players who just want to play any game. It's not just Magic. It's it's whatever game will pay them, right? That's why you have, you tie what you mentioned earlier, Kibler right. playing Hearthstone, mm-hmm. something like that. In in any sense, it's just gamers want a game, mm-hmm. and they want to they want to game a system. Right now, what they're finding is that the game changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It's just an yeah, upset over really, the game changing. A, They're going to find another way to game it. It doesn't really matter. Right. And well, I mean, I I think I think there's less ways to game the system. I mean, if you can get to a point where you get appearance fees, you've gamed the system. Well, yeah, but they've also put in a ton of effort and a sure. ton of time sure. to quote unquote to game it. Like system, in all, yeah. in all honesty, like the amount of time and effort they put into getting to getting it, they'd probably be better off just working a part-time job and make 12 grand a year. What what I'm saying so, let taking it back to a root form is you know, would you still play Magic if there wasn't tournaments to go to, if there wasn't GPs no, well, or GPTs to go to? Because I know I well, wouldn't. I would have quit a but long that's time not, ago. But that's not the Pro Tour, Jerry. Like, you know what? You know what would be fine without – do you know what would be fine without pros? You're, GPs. You're going, you know how great a GP would be without pros? You're getting, It'd be fine. You're getting – you're – it it all feeds. It's all interconnected. They're not unique and separated. It's it's a slippery slope here. If you get rid of pro tours, you get rid of PTs. That's one less level. How long until we stop having we stop having GPs? We stop having without pro tours. There's no pro tour qualifiers, uh, and then that puts it all at GPs. And then you have the people who are the best at GPs grinding away. And Jerry Wizards decides to cut the legs out of those people. Then we stop having GPs and GPTs, and all we're left with is Friday night match. Magic and but, casual but, players. But and I guarantee you, I would aren't. stop playing Magic at that point. Jerry, have you attended a GP? A GPT? I uh, know a fucking. What the hell is it? A PTQ? Well, yeah. that's just because I don't play standard. No. <laughs> All right, and you haven't attended an RPTQ then either. No, because I don't play standard. All right. So then, why are you still playing? Because I play a format that is pinnacle of success is winning the legacy gp if they got rid of the legacy gp there would be less reasons for players to strive for well, it because then so you're the best you can is get that, is, is well jerry so, is that what, why you play if, legacy is to win the legacy gp that's why i play competitive legacy i play competitive legacy because i want to play against the best players in the world and test my skills against theirs if so, there yeah, aren't the so, best players in the world to play against I lose interest. So you I'm not just play- my my biggest goal right now is a day two a legacy GP as well, and like from there it would it would go up. That's and, that's and, wow. and the reason why we do that is because we're legacy players. If we were standard players, our goal would be to win the Pro Tour. I yeah, that is my goal. If uh, I was a standard player, I would want to get to the Pro Tour and win the Pro Tour. And if the Pro Tour didn't exist, then I would have a lot less impetus and a lot less reason to play Magic. Well, what if, but, right. well, why? That whole like, aspect was just unfathomable to me. Because I I want to test myself. The whole yeah, reason so, why I play is because I want to prove to myself that I am a good player and I can go toe to toe with the best players. Okay. Okay. And if you so get, let's say, if you get rid of the pro tour, you get rid of the best players. You get rid of that drive, that reason to test yourself. Well, no, first of all, I don't think you get rid of the best players if you get rid of the pro tour. Let's say I think you get rid of a lot of overhead. Um, let's say. G, like the pro tour is gone, the promotional tour is gone, and now Wizards focuses on their big, their big like deals are GPS, mm-hmm. and that's that's what they focus on. That's how they push product. Standard Which GPS, is, modern it be nice GPs. if they just focused on Magic Online, legacy, <laughs> <laughs> legacy GPS. That's what they do now. So now you, you've shifted your focus from um, an echelon of of. Of these players that is extremely difficult to get into, to now anyone can enter a GP, and to, and by proxy, like anyone could win a GP. You can have like the most insane Cinderella story a GP. You'll never have that at a at a at a pro tour because all those people have already won something major to get there in the first place. Yeah, but the, all you have to do to get into a GP is pay a, pay an entry fee and show up. And I think that cheapens it. 
And you, but how does it? What, what, what Pat does is he gives it the any given Sunday aspect. Who, That's who's, what I'm saying. who's the better player, Pat? The player who spikes his F and M, then spikes his GPT, then spikes his GP, then goes to the Pro Tour and spikes the Pro Tour, and then goes and spikes the World Championship, or the person who does the exact same thing but stops at the GP. I, but so what do you? I mean, what exactly do you want? Do you want? Do you want to have a, a guy you can put on a pedestal and say, "Look how good this Magic player is," or do you want to make? The highest level of competitive play accessible to everyone. I will by accessible. Mm, do you that's mean, a good question. Mean accessible as in accessible for people to watch or accessible for people to play in? Because the whole point is, you know, I can't just show up at the New England Patriots home office and say, "Hey, guess what? I'm going to start playing." It's because of these restrictions that you have to earn your spot that makes them so valuable and makes it so such an honorable position to be in because but you, don't, you earned your spot to be there in the first place. Well, you also earn your spot to get into the top eight of a GP, don't you? Uh, a bit, but I mean, I have a really? lot more respect. Really? Yeah, there's a whole lot of luck that involves to get into the top eight. If you get into the top eight of the GP or you get into the top eight of a Pro Tour, I'm going to have a lot more respect to the person who gets in the top eight of a Pro Tour. Because the person who got on the top end of the Pro Tour had a much longer path to get to that position compared to the guy who just showed up, paid his $50, and then got a little lucky that day. Mm, I, I suppose. But I think also that's a much more compelling story. You want to talk about stories. Man, look at this Look at this 30-year-old dad from Millville, Massachusetts, who's made his way on the 12-hour drive out to Columbus, Ohio, playing Blue Red Delver. And this guy has been grinding his way, you know, no buys because he couldn't get, he couldn't win a GPT. He couldn't win a, you know, a, a last-minute event to, to get buys for the tournament. But he's ground his way through 11 rounds into the top eight of this of this Grand Prix in Columbus, Ohio. How much greater of a story is that than? Yeah. Whoa, it no, doesn't Ryan matter Kibler, if that story never Ryan gets Kibler told, Ryan Kibler took a break from his Hearthstone, Hearthstone Hearthstone schedule to come and play in a pro tour. Well, that's not that's not fair. It's, it's, if, no, it is. You, no, how is that fair? You can't just throw that. You, first of all, your story never gets told if there isn't a way for your story to get told in the first place, Pat. If there's no, uh, you but know, that's coverage, not that's not no, that's not hinged on a pro tour. That's not hinged on a pro tour at all. I'm not I'm not saying when you get rid of the pro tour, you get rid of all their coverage. You're just able to take the coverage from going from the same three, you know, the, not I shouldn't say the same, but you're going from this core of 300 professional players. Every time you watch a pro tour to this incredible myriad of every single kind of magic player at once, you have your casuals, you have your people who are, who are grinders in their local, you know, at their local stores. You have people who have traveled from halfway across the country to come play in the GP. To me, that's a much more diverse, uh, uh, cross-section of Magic players than the Pro Tour is. I'm the still, Pro Tour is I, about as homogenized as it gets. I, I think that's just where we differ, Pat, because your story is basically as interesting to me as, like, Joe Schmo showing up at Mohegan Sun, putting a nickel in the slot machine, and, and winning $10,000. Well, Jerry, that is your story. If you if you actually fucking take down a Legacy Grand Prix, that's your story. Mm-hmm. The same story that Pat just told. Well, because that's the highest that I can achieve. And I guarantee you, if I take down GP Columbus... I'm gonna want to, I'm gonna want more than that because that's human nature. Humans always want more. And once you achieve a certain level of success, you look towards the next the, level of success to achieve. And, once you achieve a certain level of success, you need to set a new goal. Right, exactly. So, so are you saying that we should have a, like a, a super pro tour where all the, the winners of pro tours get to go on to another, like another more meta pro tour to play in? Yeah, it's called, so they it's can called, play in the next level? We do. It's called Worlds. So, <laughs> it, that, that's the truth. We do. It's called Worlds. 
Uh, I mean, that's not really true though, because isn't aren't the qualifications of a world's you have to literally be from you have like, to you have to win a pro tour. Yes, Pat, you have to be from the world. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that, no, but, you, you are right, Pat. You have okay. to be from the world. No, but the, how, no how many people play? How many people play at worlds? Uh, say, uh I think it's twenty four. Twenty four. And how many pro tours are there a year? There's four. So where do those other twenty people come from? Uh, it's the they haven't they win a pro the tour. Top people uh, with the highest number of pro points from each region. It's all tied into pro points, Pat. Oh, it's tied into pro points. Yeah. And if but you get my, rid my of point pro is, tour, so you get rid of pro points. No, you don't. People earn pro points at GTs. You, okay, so not. I I, I want to separate from just <laughs> talking <laughs> about it's it's pro level play in general. If if you going back to your story about you know the dad named uh, Jack Fuglo who <laughs> <laughs> who spikes a GP Columbus. That's actually just a strictly better name than mine. So I'm kind of yeah. sad you came up with yeah, that. Yeah, that's your AK. Yeah, that's your that's your alias from now on, Jack Fuglo. <laughs> well, right, I'm gonna write that on all my deck boxes. Yeah. If you if you tell me what's more compelling, the story of Jack Fuglo who spiked a lucky tournament compared to you know Patrick Chapin who's been grinding for the last 12 years because uh. he has that drive in him because he came in second in Worlds you know 12 years ago and it's haunted him ever since. You're damn right. I care more about Patrick Chapin. I'm sorry, Pat. He's the better Pat. Is a really, that's a really good, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, just because I'm playing devil's advocate, but, like, that is a really good story. <laughs> like, oh, man, after seeing Patrick Chapin's story, I'm like, fuck. I, I liked him even before seeing that documentary, but, man, I did not know what he went through. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, yeah. I, so we can we can probably move off the, the Pro Tour talk. Like, I think that we disagree on the importance of the Pro Tour. I don't, I, I don't think it should be done away with. Yeah. I do think that they need to reallocate where they need to reassess how they're spending money to make the sport more Mm -hmm. exciting. Like it's much more exciting to see someone to see a a half a million dollar prize pool in a a world's event. You know what I mean? So that's that's pretty cool. Um, But yeah, moving on from that, I think that the uh, did you see see the end of the battlefield movie, Adrian? No, I just I saw the fucking a picture of it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> you saw a picture of the movie. <laughs> I made fucking much. Well, actually, the movie is really just a collection of a bunch of pictures and sounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually somebody... several thousand pictures played back to back. All right, would you rather me call it an advertisement? <laughs> it actually, um, very. I I thought it's probably done more. Oh, spoiler alert, fucker! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say it's probably done more to dry. I I would think. It's done more to drive interest, and what a great job they did at telling the, like you said, Jerry, the human interest stories behind the players. Mm-hmm. Like someone like, like a guy like say Owen Turtenwald, to me is like about as vanilla ice cream a person as you can get. I know, right? I like, actually kind of a little bit disliked him. I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. You know, no, but we're not spoiling anything. We're not spoiling anything. <laughs> but, but I don't to, even know who this guy is. Owen Turtenwald. <laughs> he's part of the. I'm just kidding. He's part no, of Peach Garden Oath, which I think is <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus. <laughs> I'll put it to you. Let me, let me, um, oh, fuck. You had me thinking about it earlier, too. Shit, I forgot. Oh, well. All right, well, think about that. Um, to get a guy like Owen, who, like, I, I agree, Jerry. Like, my my general sense of him was that he was kind of dickish. Mm-hmm. And um, when you get a chance to see someone just, like, talk about more than just, like, a card game, it, it does give this really great humanizing sense to them. And someone who, like, yeah, like, if I watched him in a pro tour, like, I would probably root for Owen Turnwald, and I never would before. Mm-hmm. Um, Magic needs to do, needs to take, you know, more of their effort and 
put together pieces like that. Like before every Super Bowl, there are a thousand like uh, human interest stories for each player. Like even even a regular Sunday. Mm-hmm. Sunday no, I I I say I I think a different way. It, isn't, well, isn't there? Let me, like, let me, like, let's yeah, doesn't ESPN have like an entire series where it's like an hour focused on like yeah, like players? thirty for thirty? Yeah, but, like, that's but, what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Even for like even for a regular game, like the announcers will have already like talked to all the players and or someone will have talked to them and they'll have like little snippets of information on each player about whatever stuff in their personal life, stuff that's outside the game of football or maybe where they're from or injuries they've overcome or whatever the case is, stuff that's pertinent to the game, um, pertinent to the person, but not necessarily like uh, what position they're playing or you know mm-hmm. what their favorite, what you know their like their stats necessarily. Right. Um, driving like that, like you said, the part of the the game that makes it really compelling is the human behind, like the behind the athlete. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and like those are kind of like two separate entities. And um, that that I, I feel think the that movie is going. To, what's that? That that's the root of it. You know, everything we just talked about for the last hour, you can throw out the window because it basically boils down to magic needs to focus more on the human element of the game. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. That's, so yeah. We just argued that that was my point right there. No, you're, <laughs> see, you're, I, I was actually, su- I was surprised. I just, I think, I think that, you know, they, they do need to focus on the human element because that is what's going to drive interest in the game. But I, I think that the idea that they'll ever be able to compete with a game like Hearthstone or a game like, well, I, I say Hearthstone, but. A huge element on a human element is a, a such a generalization though. There's no aspect there. Well, like, like to me, I was thinking about it the whole time. We're talking about like day what taking down a legacy Grand Prix mm-hmm. uh, is not why I play Legacy, and I never actually considered that. Well, different strokes for different folks, Adrian. Uh, yeah, but that's not even a human aspect to me. Like, like, and know. that's not why I go play on Sunday or Tuesday or Friday. It's not because I want to take down a Legacy Grand Prix. It's because I want to interact with some pretty fucking cool people. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's, that's absolutely a benefit of it. And like, that's, the reason I play Magic in general is, has never been to win a major tournament. Um, the reason why I put f- more effort into it than I normally would is because I want to, I want to win. And like, and I think the ultimate goal for me, someone like me coming from a very competitive background, um, that's kind of the way I see things. But ha- that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy the ride of going to, TE and getting crushed by Jerry and like with the most ridiculous deck I've ever seen. Like I still enjoy that for what it is. Like that, that doesn't take away from the, from the experience. But if you asked me like what my ultimate goal is, like, yeah, it's like probably to like when we go out to Columbus, like I really want a day to that GP. That's my biggest, that's my goal. Like I, I don't have any aspiration of getting to the top eight cause that's just not going to happen. But no I'm, interest in just doing eternal masters fucking, uh, anti-league then. <laughs> I mean, I'll do that. <laughs> we'll do that at Worcester. That's a piece of it, Adrian. You're you're right, Adrian. You know that's that's certainly the reason. It's it's a whole picture thing. If you take out any piece, the picture gets worse. And I, yeah. I you know, sure, the competitive aspect isn't there for you, uh, but I guarantee you, if you didn't have tournaments <laughs> to go to, uh, or you didn't have these places to socialize with people, you wouldn't be as interested in the game. Is is that wrong to say? Um, I, I would take a different interest in it. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I don't think Jerry's taking an accusatory stance at all. I think it's just like, the fact that we have a place where we can play and be competitive, even in a friendly setting, like a friendly background, I still think that it makes the game much more enjoyable, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And, and that's why I think we, we all agree that, you know, the human element and everything, uh, is a, is a part of it, and I think we just all have different ideas of what direction is the best way to take with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fair. I I I I don't think, like I said, um, I don't think that Magic will ever be able to compete on the level of something like League of Legends because I think the barrier for entry mm-hmm. to play a game like that is much lower, and the barrier to entry to to watch it not necessarily competently, but to League watch of Legends it. is free to play. Well, yeah, that is it. Oh yeah, it's one hundred percent free to play. <laughs> um, can you? But you know, it's. I I think that um <clears throat> that oh, I forgot where I was going. God damn it. Um, you know the the barrier to, the barrier to entry the the barrier that's set there just to watch and enjoy the game is much higher in Magic than any other. I think any other thing that's really out there. I think you can watch a game like poker, which is like. I wouldn't say more or less complicated than Magic. I would say it's less complicated than Magic, but anyone who can watch a game of poker, I think, and kind of get what's going on, I don't think the same is for Magic. Ah, um, I don't think, and I don't think it'll ever be that way. I would, I, I, I can't watch, you know, various poker games and have any idea what's going on. You, you can't tell me who's like who has who's favorite to win each hand because it's it's displayed there on the screen in percentage. I don't, you know, I'm not a big numbers guy. You know that. Okay. <laughs> That's 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 Dax Banker is not a big numbers guy. Okay, he's like lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills. Okay, I'm not really into numbers because they don't really matter to me. I just spend money and I just have it. I just have it. Yeah, I I, I bought some uh I got some sweet foils for uh, sneaking show today. <laughs> Did you get the mentors? I got three foil monastery mentors and then I also picked up two foil F and M brainstorms. This is fucking cute. You pick up the F and M, the foil brainstorms. How much for those, Jerry? Uh, that's why I got them is because uh, <laughs> they were cheap. <laughs> they were I got them for fifty five each off a friend, and they're going for like seventy. So, so that's so cheap as a relative term. I actually picked up. Uh, I told you I picked up the Second City Traders for like eighty bucks. Yeah, it's like it. it's HP, but like whatever, Hell I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, you wanna? Should we get into Smash World Legacy? I feel we we said it was gonna be a short segment, and then we spent over an hour talking about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I I wanted to share was fucking a uh, a deck that Pat's gonna take down Grand Prix Columbus with. Oh Ooh. yeah. Yeah, the first link is first place at SCG Columbus. Oh, yeah. What is that? It's the Py- uh Pyromancer deck. This is kind of similar to the one that uh, took down the last uh, Legacy SCG event uh, that Noah... Uh, what's his last name? I know his first name's Noah. I forget his last name, but he won the SCG with uh, Grixis Pyromancer. Mm. So it's four Deathrite Shaman, four Delver of Secrets, two Gurmag Anglers, one Vendillion Click, which... I, I don't, is that stock? I don't know. I thought that was more of a sideboard card. Um, I haven't looked, been looking at the, the Grixis, des- Grixis decks lately. Mm-hmm. Um Click is, um, I mean, it might be a sideboard card, but maybe they felt it was. Um, I mean, it's it's perfectly fine. It's it's click yeah. has always been one of those cards that bounces back and forth between, you know, the sixty first card and the the sideboard. Um, Pat, Pat, do you have a click? Uh, well, you know, I was just gonna say, you know, what I like about this deck the most is that I own every single one of these cards, except for the two baleful Stricks. Those are the only cards. Oh, and the EE. I don't have one of those. Do you, you okay. have underground seas now? Oh yeah, I've had two underground seas for a while. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was playing Grixis Delver yeah, for, yeah. like, for a hot minute. Um, uh, see, that's the thing is, I, I beat you so fast, I don't get to see the black come out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was, I, um, you know what it was when, when I, when I, do you remember when I, I went to that one pre-release for, uh, what was it, uh, Battle for Zendikar, uh-huh. and I opened like the. What did I open? The Steam Vents Expedition mm-hmm. in my like my pool, yeah, and the, my sealed pool, and then in my prize packs, I opened like a 
Stomping Grounds Expedition. I still have yet. So, that's a bitter subject for me. I, I opened so many packs of Battle for Zendikar, and I never got a single expedition. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty great. So I sold them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I sold them immediately and bought... I think I bought the Underground Sea and the Tropical Island, and then just a few weeks later, I picked up a, a second Underground Sea off TCG for, like, fairly cheap. Nice. So, so, so yeah, those are the duels I have. I have the four Volks, the two Undergrounds, the one Trop right now. Nice. So, yeah, if you wanted to, you could actually put that together, right? I could put this, yeah, I could put this whole deck. I mean, the only thing I need, like is, like I said, is the, uh, I don't have Painful Truths, but that's fine. Two, and, like, two Bell the, districts will run you, like, 20 bucks. Not, not even like the mid. The mid on that is yeah. They're getting cheap. They got reprinted. Oh, yeah, was it? It was just recently reprinted in something. Yeah, it? they were commander, yeah. and then they were, was a conspiracy. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, five bucks for bail tricks. To finish off the list here for the listeners. Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, one, let's go. One Vendillion click. Uh, three young pyromancer. I think that could easily be four young pyromancer if you cut the click, but depending on what meta you're in. Um, then four brainstorm, four days, four force of will, four lightning bolts. One spell pierce, two cabal therapy, one forked bolt, uh, four gataxium probe, four ponder, and then lands are pretty standard. Three flooded strand, one misty rainforest, four polluted delta, one tropical island, two underground sea, three volcanic island, and four wasteland. That was compelling reading. Yes. <laughs> I like this deck. Um... I hmm. why why I I'm curious. I thought the reason why you're running blue red delvers because you didn't have the undergrounds. No, so I've had Grixis a while ago. Yeah, I had Grixis for I, I ran it for a little bit. No, the reason why I went back to blue red delver was because every time I went up to um <laughs> went up to gaming etc and played Grixis delver. Was, turn one blood moon. Turn one yeah. <laughs> Turn one blood moon or turn one magus of the moon. I'm like, well, fuck me then. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, no, that's the reason why I got off it originally. And just the fact that, like, I felt like, um, Grixis Delver, I was a bit over my head. Just it, it, um, well, you gotta keep a lot playing more it, Pat, Pat. The only way you get better is challenge yourself. No, you're right. You're right. I'm actually probably gonna sleeve this up, um, this week when I go play. Cabal Therapy was a very interesting card to try to figure out how to play new in the format. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty easy to argue Cabal Therapy is one of the most difficult cards to play in Legacy. Uh, just, I do like it with the Young Pyromancer. I think that's such a sweet combination. Yeah, yeah of course. I'm, I'm I mean, actually surprised like, he only ran two. They were doing Lingering Souls with it for a while, too. Yeah, before. that's pretty cute. He doesn't have it in the sideboard. Usually, like, there's... I think when I was running Grixis Delver, there was four Cabal Therapy in this. There might have been, like, two and two split. Mm-hmm. And then the other the other one I was sharing was Top 16. There's an Omnitel list. Ooh. Yeah, and he went blue-black. I used to do blue-red. And this is cool because instead of dig through time, he's got four copies of Limdul's Vault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's running the Pasaju. Is that normally in? Um... Oh, that's easy to oh, get away. That's so and, good against miracles. And Jerry, a man after your own heart, he's running the sixty-one card main deck. Oh, sixty-one card main deck. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, but yeah, no. Apparently, uh, blue black Omnitel is the new standard. Uh, there's a couple quite. How we're talking about Legacy. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Ba-dumps. Back to the Pro Tour. <laughs> no, please. Uh, I don't want to talk no, about that. Blue Black Omnitel <laughs> is, is the uh, the new one. So the second deck list here, we got two Emmercool, one Sensei's Top, four Brainstorm, four Cunning Wish, two Days, four Force of Will, four Limdol's Vault, four Ponder, four Preordain, four Show and Tell, four Thought Seize, four Omniscience. And then for lands, we got two Ancient Tomb, two Boseju, four Flooded Strand, five Island, four Deltas, one Swamp, two Underground Sea. 
And there's a trick bind in the sideboard. Trick bind in the sideboard. Yeah, I never read sideboards because I feel sideboards are very meta-dependent. No, not with this deck. This is a four cutting wish deck. Okay, well you could. Uh, yeah, actually, the entire sideboard is fifteen one ofs. So yeah, AJ, you want, <laughs> you're right. In this in this scenario, we should read the sideboard. AJ, you want to do the honors? Uh, not terribly. Okay, cool. I mean, like it, <laughs> the uh, thing is, Adrian, any of the... Adrian, read the sideboard. <laughs> uh, alphabetically or backwards? Uh, um, can you so alph- trick, 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 trick bind for anybody who tries to put in an Ashen Rider. So all right, so I like that you you go down like. Almost to the end of the list and start with like the second to last card. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's your favorite, I know it's your favorite card, but like, we're gonna start off with Trick by and then we're gonna move the rest of the list down. <laughs> well, this, I mean, Echoing Truth, uh, Eldamri's Call, Engineered Explosives, Firemind's Foresight, Flusterstorm, Noxious Revival, Pact Negation, Ravenous Trap, Rebuild, Release the Ants, which, uh, is why I stopped playing this deck, uh, Rushing River, Slaughter Pact, Toxic Deluge, Trick Bind, and Wipe Away. I don't think I've ever seen Rebuild before. It's, Two in a blue return all artifacts to their owner's hands at instant speed, and then it is cycling for two. That's pretty. Yeah. Cool. that's pretty cool. Well, you you need. I used to play. Um, I mean, Echoing Truth is one. I used to play Hercules Recall. Sometimes you got to bounce a Chalice and a Trinisphere. Right, right. You know, and like this. Oh, the, Rebuild's kind of fucking awesome, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool. I know um, there's a way to win with this deck that I'm not familiar with. When I used to do Omni Show, it was I do blue red and. Uh, <laughs> I, I liked all the sorcery speed access that Burning Wish gave me out of the sideboard. Um, I stopped playing it because re- I just don't like Release the Ants. I don't like casting it. I, I, it's So, you know, we, we were talking about it the other day, um, whether or not, what, Ensnaring Bridge was, was functionable against this as a show-and-tell deck, but they, they don't even have to attack. They can just go at the end and... Um, Release the ants twenty times. Unless you're playing on Magic Online, I was playing Dredge, and I versed on Metel on Magic Online, and he went mm-hmm. for the release the ants win condition, and mm-hmm. I, I made him, timed out. I made him do it, and it timed him out. Yeah. I felt bad, but you know, not that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> yeah, because no, he was killing the... me with release the ants. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. It, I just I didn't like doing release the ants. Um, the the sorcery speed version with burning wish was a little bit more fun where you could actually get petals of insight cycle through and get tendrils of agony mm-hmm. uh this this has another way to win that i've seen people do but i never fully followed it cuz it wasn't what i was playing with was fire divine's foresight it, and it's, it's something where you end up going to get like i think a days of brainstorm and something else to do some other crazy freaking thing um engineered explosives is the only card that i can see that that is sideboarding. You can sideboard it in if needed. Everything else is an instant speed access. Yeah, so you, I, just cunning wish for it. I was kind of surprised. It's, I think it's the only thing that can't be cunning wished for it too. Yeah, everything else is. Uh, um, uh, actually, sorry. Toxic Deluge is a sorcery. Yeah, but you know, one of the go-to's for me was always just trick bind. You, could, you know, you could hit anything. You could hit just the ability to hit O-ring. <laughs> you know, that that alone was just. Probably the most valid, actually. Um, but yeah, so it's it's uh, kind of cool seeing a blue black Omni show. That makes me want to uh, go back to playing it because I was thinking whether the, whether the next things I wanted to put together was a uh, sneak and show or shardless bug, and I might just go this way because either way I can just use the show and tells. What's what's omniscience at now? Is it still like twenty dollars? Uh, what card? Omniscience. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's 20. like fifteen bucks. So that's so awesome. This shit was like a dollar fifty at I release. Know. <laughs> I, know. 
I sold mine for like pretty much bulk because I never thought it was going to be worth anything. Oh, I love that shit. <laughs> um, I'm sure Enter the Infinite's probably back to bulk now. Yeah, well, Enter the Infinite doesn't really see like it's only a one of. If... Yeah, and, and that's probably if anybody's doing like Burning Wish packaging. Right, right, exactly. So I was trying to get a word in edgewise, and then didn't realize I was muted. I'm like, these guys are fucking just talking over me like assholes. Oh, but it was so wonderful. <laughs> no, I was just, I was. They're, they're not doing anything cute with the um with the packs in this deck, right? Pack negation? No. Like the slaughter, yeah, slaughter pack, pack negation. They're not doing anything cute with them. Well, you just kind of wish to make sure you have backup for your combo. You're gonna kill yeah. them anyway. Yeah, okay. it's free. Because so you you just win on the spot. Isn't there a modern deck that like <clears throat> plays packed and then does some kind of? Funky thing that like copies a spell and everyone it's gets actually, a copy of it. It's, a, it's a legacy deck too. Yeah, it yeah. started off as a legacy deck. It's fucking cool, man. I it, and it's fucked up when, you know, I was playing Omniscience and I sat down, I cast Show and Tell, and I was playing against Nick Wilbur and uh, he put <laughs> Hive Mind and started dropping packs and it killed me. <laughs> it was, it was Hive Mind. That's what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. what Hive Mind yeah. copies every spell that is cast for each other player. So you play a pact and then they copy it. And then they lose the game because they can't. Play so you can play just play high mind, then like cast like whatever, like pack negation or whatever. Sort of pack. Right. And... I mean, it was basically a legacy deck before Omniscience was printed, and then Omniscience just like it made it. Yeah, it got it's, better. It's slotted into the exact same shell of a deck, and it was just more consistent. So gotcha. Because no you, you didn't have to play a bunch of useless packs. Yeah, exactly. You didn't have to play the uh, you know eight packs of various types. <laughs> But in modern, in modern, there was a hive mind deck for a while till they banned Seething Song, mm-hmm. and, and I know a few people that are still, they're still playing it here and there. Um, found other ways to function with it, but it's just, uh, it, it got, I don't know, thugged out, I guess. Yeah. Well, jump, jumping back to the uh, the Grixis Pyromancer list, though, do you think uh, this is what you're going to run for the GP Pat? Um. I, it... All right, so let me level with you guys. Level with us. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of dumb, so <laughs> and, and I, I I always do something. I always do better with with a deck that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of why I like Blue Red Delver. I just feel like I've played a lot more with it. Yeah. Um, but it. if I put the time in, like I guess I have like like two months to like put in some real time with Grixis. Mm-hmm. I could probably play that. I mean, at the same time, I'm also building a Ladrazi right now, but I'm probably not going to play that at the GP because I don't think it'll be good there. Um, I think Grixis, from a pure just numbers and stats perspective, Grixis mm. is the better deck. But if you're better with blue red, you will do much better with it. Always play yeah. what you know over what's perceived to be the best. Yeah, and one of my biggest problems with Grixis, like <clears throat> the main deck isn't too bad, but I felt like I always felt like sideboarding was very weak for me. Maybe I'll put together Grixis and see how it goes. I do. I did like the deck when I was playing it. Nice. I'm gonna get a Bayou. I don't have one of those. Mm. Why does this run a Bayou? Am I missing something? No, no. I'm just. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm like, <laughs> no, just uh, well, an Adrian moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what's the ne- what's the next deck I want to put together? Is it Shardless Bug or is it Sneak and Show? And then it dawned on me. I'm like, actually, if I grabbed a fucking Bayou, I could just be playing Ant also. Moving into top eight. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> top eight of the Pro Tour. Jerry and Pat facing each other. <laughs> yeah, match three. Who wins match three? <laughs> you got to finish the. Uh, the story, Adrian. You set up all our listeners for this you know, <laughs> heart-pounding conclusion, and we just had a battle of words for an hour. You, you got to give us some uh, some. Well, as all right. So as we closure. start round three, as we start round three on the pro tour, I, 
Pat's ra- Pat's raising his hand. Uh, he's calling for a judge. It, it appears Jerry has 59 cards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he just can't play a 60 card deck. <laughs> uh, actually, true facts. Like one of, one of my deepest fears, and like I have definitely woken up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night because of this. Is I'm always afraid of like dropping a volcanic island on the floor and then putting my deck box away and then like oh yeah like, like uh, that that's like a, a real feel bad moment. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. Josh Sissio's story. He was at a uh, a tournament and. It was like the tournament was over, they were checking out of the hotel, and he decided to do like one last sweep of the hotel to make sure they didn't leave anything behind. And so he gets on his hands and knees and looks under the, the bed, and he finds a black border tundra just sitting oh, under the shit. bed. <laughs> He's like, oh, you God, know, you know, glad like, I checked this. <laughs> the, the, the hotel person would have just thrown it away. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's in the trash. Oh, it's a kid's card game? Toss that. Yeah. <laughs> what is this, some, some Pokemon card? Toss, Get out of here. Toss that mortgage payment. Oh, that's for playing Dungeons and Dragons with your buddies, right? <laughs> oh, man. All right, so top eight. Who's going, Jerry? Jerry, who are you scooping in the top eight? You guys. So I'm going to scoop you guys in because it's the easy out. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Benjamin Sturtz and Sean Calvo for offering their judging services. Uh, Sean offered to be our uh, unofficial judge li- liaison anytime we needed. <laughs> So thanks for that, Sean. I'll keep you on speed dial. Uh, other than that, just you know, shout out to all you know everyone on the Facebook. I know we had a, a big debate about everything that was going on. So you know, kudos to everyone for you know speaking your mind and you know keeping it civil. Yeah, of course, we're adults. Yeah. <laughs> I go next. I'm gonna scoop in. Uh, I mean, they don't listen. I don't think, but I'm gonna scoop in Nate and Sean uh, for the documentary. I thought I think they did a fantastic job. I've, everything they've done. As far as walking the planes, and they've done a few other shorts for Wizards, um, has been fantastic. They have this real knack for um, showing kind of like how the real side of magic, but also not making it into a cartoon of itself. Right. I think because they're both, they're, I mean, uh, Nate especially, I know that for a fact, is a really vested and you know longtime magic player. I think they do a lot of good for the for the game, and uh, I really like the fact that Watsy sees talent in those guys and gives them stuff to work on and I know they've been they've been working on that movie for I think he said almost three years now. At least two years, maybe three, so a lot of work's gone into that and um it was really cool to see a feature length movie on magic that like if someone wants to you know, like I people like kinda look at me sideways when they ask what I do every Sunday. Um something cool to kinda point them to to be like, this is sort of this is sort of like the world that I'm in as far as this goes. Yeah, I thought the first like half hour of it was like, oh man, this is like the perfect, most concise way to explain to a non-magic person what magic is. They did a yeah. really great job of that. Yeah, that yeah, was really awesome. So, um, the scoop to top eight them for them. Uh, um, not Will Whedon for narrating. Uh, I mean, he was fine. Like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't. Some people really dislike the guy. I don't care either way, and I don't. I think he was fine. Actually, I don't think I've seen anything. Um, any reactions like, oh my god, I can't believe it's Will Wheaton. Like, it seems like it's been, overall, the reception has been extremely positive, and I'm, I'm glad not to see that be, uh, be an issue. It was a little bit of a bummer that, like, at the Pro Tour, they announced, hey, we're gonna be cutting all these benefits, but here is, <laughs> the like, story of getting here, pro. here's Enter the Battlefield <laughs> about all these pros who, like, who are all on that train, but, um, hopefully that gets sorted out, and, you know, I think all the pros, 
from from what it looks like, understand like if that decision's made, it is a business decision. I think that it sucks for them, but it, it, it's understandable. I just think doing it in the middle of the season was a little bit of a of a shitty thing. So, but it looks like Helen Bourgeau has um, sort of recanted on that, and they'll reevaluate. And but that's not what this seg- this segment's for. This segment's about scooping people in the top eight. So hmm. I'm scooping the guys who made the movie, and I'm scooping uh, Adrian. We're finally beating the black lung and getting back on the cast with us. Yeah, we're afraid. <laughs> Good to have you back, buddy. The voice beating of the reason. Black lung. Yeah, we're yeah. afraid you're never the voice of reason. Yeah, oh man! I, I said it's probably too much of that fucking too much of that uh, drywall dust, man. That sheetrock's not good for your for your lungs. Oh, I've been doing all sorts of drywall in there. I, I was taking down trees last weekend. I had this like, I had this experience that was so freaking crazy. Well, yeah. So can we dream crush gravity real quick for almost trying to kill you? Like, <laughs> you you don't even know. <laughs> you don't like. Uh, Adrian's gonna scoop in God. Oh, no shit, dude. Yeah, scoop, scooping God uh, for not killing him. Yeah. No, I, like the thing is, the, it, it, it it's it's incredible. It's fucking incredible. Um, let me. Let, I'll go to top eights though first. I'm gonna scoop in Joel Michael because uh, he shared on the Facebook group his baby daughter was born. Oh yeah. So uh, awesome, man. That was awesome. What a beautiful little girl. That was a great. That was great to see. And, uh, scooping Kyle and, uh, scooping God. Really scooping God, dude. Boy. Should I break out the 20 sided die? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Oh, yeah. Adrian hasn't been here for one of these. I don't know if you've heard of this, Adrian. <laughs> Why? Did you start doing this all the time now? Yeah, we do it every episode. Oh, jeez. There we go. All right, Pat, 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 play us out with number 12. <laughs> we got number 14. Okay, so that's uh, 19, uh, 2007, right? Yep. Is that right? Uh, Four, 14, no, 14 where, 2002. Where's the starting point? 2002. 1993. Oh, I thought you were, okay, so you're not doing 2016 and working backwards? No, I figured we'll do 93 the year Magic came out and we'll move forwards. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You need a 26-sided die to at least... I, I told Jerry we need, like, a 100-sided die so we can do, like, the top 100 songs. That way you can go by months. We'll, we'll do that <laughs> oh, man. Right, so. I just pulled up the top 100, and this was a good year. Well, so it's 2007, right? 2007. Uh, the year I graduated from high school. Oh, you're a baby. I am a baby. Jeez. Uh, I, know, I, I had already quit school 12 years earlier. <laughs> To give us some samples, we got Hey There, Delilah, Umbrella. What the fuck billboard are you going on? Billboard Top 100. Oh, man. Yeah. You got to at least use the source of some fucking thing. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, here we go. Uh, it's got, we got Akon Smackdown here for Hell you, Adrian. Yeah. You're good, right? That'll, that'll scratch the I don't the think there's much in 2007 that Adrian listened to. Uh, <laughs> is that the same? Like, did, did Locked Up come, come out that year? Since you were mentioning Akon? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Locked Up's better than Smack That. Uh, we got yeah, it is. It is better. Man, Fergalicious sure. all the way at nineteen. How'd that happen? How did we end up talking about Fergalicious on this? Oh <laughs> <laughs> fuck! All right, so roll, Jerry. What are, we, what are we listening to? We got new big number twenty. Twenty. <laughs> Thank that That's my soldier boy. We, we can't go further down the list. Oh, soldier boy, tell him. <laughs> Uh, this might be the last time Is we that do that. Soldier Boy? <laughs> <laughs> Crank that Soldier Boy. Oh, that's a classic, man. Oh, man, that brings back memories of freshman year of college. 
Alright, play us out with something sweet, Pat. Great. Can't wait. You can email us at leavinglegacymtg at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Mathematrixter at J-M-E-E-3-R-D or at Pat Uglo. Thanks for listening. Remember, play fast, not loose. Soldier boy, I'm in it. Why me crack it? Why me roll? Why me crack that soldier boy? That Superman that all. Now why me you? Crack that soldier boy. Now why me you? Crack that soldier Now why me you? Crack that soldier Now why me you? Crack that soldier Now what? Soldier boy, I'm in it. Why me crack it? Why me roll? Why me crack that soldier boy? That Superman that all. Now why me you? Crack that soldier Now why me you? Crack that soldier Now why me you? Crack that song, now why me you? Crack that song, now what? Soldier boy, Benny, oh, why me lean that, why me rock? Superman, that, oh, yeah, why me crack that Robocop? Superman, now why me jock? Jocking on them, hate them, man. When I do that, soldier boy, I lean to the left and crack that thing now. You! I'm jocking on you, I'm jocking on you. And if we get the fight, then I'm then I'm. You catch me at your local party, yes, I crank it every day. Haters getting mad, cause I got me some baby, mate. Soldier boy, I'm in it. Oh. Why me crank it? Why me roll? Why me crank that soldier boy? That Superman that all. Oh. Now why me you? Crank that soldier Now why me you? Try to do it like me, man. That damn was ugly. Soldier boy, I'm in it. Oh, why me crack it? Why me roll? Why me crack that soldier boy? That Superman, that all. Oh. Now why me you? Crack that soldier. 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 Now what? Soldier boy, I'm in it. Oh, why me crack it? Why me roll? Why me crack that soldier boy? That Superman, that all. Oh. Now why me you? Crack that soldier. Now why me you? Crack that soldier. Now why me you? Crack that soldier. Now why me you? Now what?